Yo, what's up guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of Drew Unscripted. Coming at you guys with a SmackDown Live review. We at the celebration, man. We at the Triple H 25th celebration. Obviously, celebrating 25 years of Triple H, the King of Kings, the game. Formerly, of course, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. <laughs> you guys remember that. SmackDown, man. Tonight... Was a mixed bag for me, man. I gotta be honest with you. There was stuff that I liked. There was stuff that I really didn't like. So let's break it down, man. So we started off with, of course, a, a t segment from the new SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Of course, the New Day, Biggie Kofi Kingston came out. Kofi was saying that he does not want to be cocky, does not want to brag, but they are the longest. They are the most tag team champions since. A lot of other teams, he mentioned teams like the Hart Foundation, teams like the Hardy Boys, and stuff like that. I kind of, you know, anytime, for me personally, man, anytime, like, a legendary tag team is mentioned, I really appreciate it. Like, I thought it was pretty cool to hear the Hart Foundation mentioned on SmackDown. Overall, like, to be quite honest, you know, I'm not really a fan of the New Days getting the championships again. You know, take nothing away. Yeah, obviously the New Day is one of WWE's top tag teams. No doubt about it. But the only thing that I've not liked about championships in the WWE, especially the last couple of years, is just the fact that they always hot potato it, man. Like one minute, New Day has it. Next minute, another team has it. Next minute, the Usos have it. Next minute, the New Day have it. It's kind of like I'm just not a fan of, you know, the titles being hopped around, man, to be quite honest with you. But I mean, in reality, there's not much they there's not much they do. I mean, SmackDown doesn't have a lot of tag teams. The tag team division in the WWE, it's not strong. You know, it's not strong. There's just not there's just not a lot. You know, there's just not a lot of teams on the SmackDown division. And it's unfortunate, man. It really is. You know, if you look at AEW, the way that they do with their tag teams, they don't have a whole lot of tag teams themselves, but I think with their tag team division, things are more organized, I would say. Like things, and also in NXT too, I think NXT as well, you know, things are organized. But on the main roster for WWE, it's just it's just not strong, you know, in my opinion. But we had the New Day come out. They did their promo. They were immediately interrupted by the Lucha House Party. Of course, Grandma Malik and Lindsay Dorado were there. Kalisto was not there. I don't know why he wasn't there. He probably just wasn't comfortable, you know, coming to coming to the PC, which, again, you know, I respect because I understand, you know, it's not everybody's comfortable with coming to work and stuff like that, those that are still able to work. And they, they interrupted the New Day. They were saying how they, they wait in the back and they see every other team getting an opportunity. Then they were quickly interrupted by The Miz and Morrison. Hey, hey, no, no. The Miz, of course, was... Very upset about last week losing the tag team championships. He basically just walked right by the Lucha House Party. Like, who the fuck are these guys? They got in the ring, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, please let's not get a rematch. And it's really sad because this is, like, the only teams that we have. You know what I mean? And I feel like they could do a lot more. But obviously, with what's going on right now, I, it might be a lot tougher than it would be on a normal basis. But still, I mean, come on, you know. You know, you're... Your tag team division is a little more stronger than your Universal Championship picture because we see the tag team championships defended more than we see the Universal cha the Universal Championship defended, if that makes sense. But 
Then we got the interruption from the Forgotten Sons. Of course, the Forgotten Sons were in NXT for a bunch of months. They've been in developmental for a while, Steve Cutler and Wesley Blake. And of course, uh, Jackson Riker, formerly of Gunner from TNA Impact. They came out and they basically were saying, and there was this one line that I liked where they came out and literally Miz and Morrison were like, who the fuck are these guys? <laughs> well, the Miz was like that. And then it was, uh, I believe it was, it was uh, Jackson Riker, aka Gunner, who basically told Miz, you know, you play a Marine, but I'm a real Marine. And he called Miz a poser. So I thought that, that was kind of smooth. I like that little liner right there. Then basically Steve Culler was saying, you know, we're here to dominate the tag team division. They attacked the New Day. They attacked Lucha House Party. Miz and Morrison got out the ring, you know, typical heel move. And I liked this opening segment for three reasons. I liked, you know, the Forgotten Sons kind of getting, kind of getting the rub, kind of getting over. I liked that one liner, of course. And I just like the fact that, you know, these guys are not known that much to the main roster, but these guys... You know, you could do something with them. If WWE can book it correctly, you can probably do, if you build it up, because you don't need this match at Money in the Bank, you know, just have Money in the Bank focused around strictly what it's supposed to be, Money in the Bank. You can do, you can build up, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to give the New Day, because I did see on a supposed match card, I did see that we supposedly we were going to have New Day taking on Usos, taking on Miz and Morrison again. This time you do the full match and I'm just like, oh, come on, like, come on, man. You know what I mean? But that can always happen. But if WWE were smart, you would book the Forgotten Sons to be strong. I know it's not a lot of time to book them from here to SummerSlam because it's going to come by fast. But you can book these guys strong enough to face the New Day at SummerSlam. Or whoever wins the belts at Money in the Bank. Assuming that, that the New Day will defend at Money in the Bank, which I think they will. And most likely they'll retain. But then again, with the way that WWE likes to kind of hopscotch the the championships around, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be too surprised if we do see a title change. But this segment was alright. The Forgotten Sons, you know, this was their couple minutes to shine. And they, you know, they did it. I like that line. I like the beat down. Good stuff for the Forgotten Sons. And then we had our first ever money, our first money in the bank qualifying match of the night. First ever. My bad, guys. That was already a botch. We had King Baron Corbin taking on Drew Gulak. Of course, Drew, Drew Gulak came out with, of course, his buddy Daniel Bryan. I like Drew Gulak. I, I think Drew Gulak is real talented. I think the guy is great at promos when he wants to be. And it's nice to see him getting more and more TV time. When he first came to the main roster, he was obviously, you know, he was doing he was doing the he was doing the jobber job. You know what I mean? He was doing the jobber shit. And now, you know, obviously I think what's built him up strong on the main roster is his mini feud that he had with Daniel Bryan turned into now him being Daniel Bryan's ally, his partner, which I like. And I wouldn't be surprised at some point if you build up Grulak strong enough, you can do him turning on Brian at some point again. Maybe Brian wins money in the bank. Maybe Brian cashes it in. Maybe Gulak challenges him for the championship. I don't know. Daniel Bryan, next to Aleister Black, Daniel Bryan is one of my picks for money in the bank. My other being Aleister Black. I like this match. This match was all right. You know, I liked it. It was back and forth. You know, Drew Gulak, like I said, very talented. Baron Corbin, you know, not always the best when it comes to the promos, but Corbin, you know, he plays the role really well. You know, he plays the, the bad guy really well. Sometimes it's, it's not just go away heat. It's legitimately like, we can't stand this guy. 
and he does it pretty good. And like it or not, Baron Corbin, man, he's very talented. You know, he's got a great move set. You know, the end of days in the deep in the deep six, man. Anytime he hits it, he he always executes it beautifully. And this match, of course, you know, it had it had interference. We had Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro getting involved. They attacked Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan tried to fight them off, but to no avail. They distracted Gulak a couple times. Corbin hit the end of days. He got the victory after the match. They kicked the hell out of Gulak. Corbin used that scepter. Hit Gulak, I believe, in the throat. And that was it for that. So, obviously, you know, look. Drew Gulak, very talented. Daniel Bryan, one of the best. Nakamura and Cesaro, two guys that are also very talented. Baron Corbin, talented in the ring. He plays the heel character really good. And... You know, this was a nice little uh, nice little way for Gulak to once again get more TV time. You know, maybe you don't like the idea that Gulak is losing, but at the same time, you know, Gulak, I guess, in the mind of WWE is not big enough to be in the Money in the Bank ladder match. They want to go with Corbin, who at one time was Money in the Bank, but we remember how that didn't work out too well. So then we had we had Jeff Hardy and his chapter, the next chapter in the Jeff Hardy comeback tour. Jeff Hardy, of course, you know, is going to be coming back to TV. Jeff Hardy, the last time we saw him was about a little over a month ago. He wrestled uh, Baron Corbin. So I was kind of like, where's Jeff Hardy after this? And I understand, you know, much like a lot of other wrestlers, Jeff Hardy has kids. You know, he has a family and stuff like that. And maybe he doesn't want to be there as much. But they've been building up Jeff Hardy's return. They've been showing, you know, his downfall. They've been showing, you know, next week they're going to do another chapter. But this was another one. Of course, before they showed it, we did have um, Sheamus doing another match. Sheamus again, doing the jobber, the, the jobber shit. You know, beat a guy from NXT. I don't remember his name. I think I might be able to pull it up real quick. Let me go ahead and see. I might be able to pull it up. Let me just go ahead and check my notes. I took quite a few because I had a lot to say about the closing segment, which I will be talking about. It was, let me see. Okay, so the guy's name was Daniel Vidit, Vidat, obviously from NXT. Haven't seen him on NXT. He probably just does a lot of the, well, formerly a lot of the house shows. The Celtic Warrior, Sheamus, always intense. Before the bell rang, beat down the guy from NXT, hit the bro kick, got the victory, quick and fast for Sheamus. Squash match, plain and simple. It was designed to make Sheamus look dominant, as they've been doing. There isn't much else that can really be said about it. And, of course, we had the Jeff Hardy video package. Jeff Hardy, of course, you know, was talking about, in the video package, he was talking about how, you know, obviously he struggled a lot. You know, he felt in his mind that he was being selfish. He, you know, being a father really opened his eyes and really helped him out in a lot of ways that that it should have. We did see, you know, Matt Hardy a couple times, of course, because look, obviously, when you think of Jeff Hardy, you can't help but think about Matt Hardy, because, I mean, come on, these guys' success as a, as a tag team, I know a lot of people are like, oh, they're showing AEW talent on, on WWE television, and it's like, eh, well, you gotta remember, Matt Hardy was always a WWE guy, He that's where he got his start, you know, as Matt Hardy, and I think there's always gonna be that, that love and respect for Matt Hardy, um, obviously, Obviously, um, you know, they talked about Jeff Hardy's comeback along with Matt Hardy at, uh, at WrestleMania, of course, a couple years back when they 
came back at WrestleMania 33 in that ladder match. Of course, you know, that involved other teams. You know, the Hardys, Gallows and Anderson, the OC, Enzo and Cass, and who else was, what other team was on there? It was the Hardys, Enzo and Cass, Gallows and Anderson, and I want to say one more team. Oh yeah, Sheamus and Cesaro, I believe. That was a badass match. But they were just talking about the return. And of course, um, of course, we're going to get another chapter and it's titled The Comeback next week. And obviously, it's obviously they've been building up for a Sheamus and Jeff Hardy feud. Maybe they're going to do a final qualifier match for Money in the Bank because we do need one more spot. Now we have Corbin added to the mix. Corbin did qualify beating Drew Gulak. I forgot to mention that. And you have you have Aleister Black, you have Apollo Cruz, and man, I keep on forgetting the guys. You have Aleister Black, you have Apollo Cruz, you have Rey Mysterio. So three guys from Raw, two guys from SmackDown. Now Daniel Bryan, Baron Corbin. Who's the final guy going to be? In my opinion, it's going to either be Jeff Hardy or it's going to be Sheamus. But obviously, you know, for weeks we've been seeing Sheamus get very pissed off at Michael Cole, who obviously Michael Cole is obviously taking us back and looking at the Jeff Hardy thing. Sheamus, of course, intimidating Michael Cole, and he did before the next match, which was Miz and Morrison, hey, hey, ho, ho, taking on the Lucha House Party, Grand Manalik, Lince Dorado. Before the match could even begin, we've seen, of course, Sheamus intimidating Michael Cole, you know, knock the headset off, and just continuing to really just dominate and stuff like that continuing you know Sheamus doing Sheamus doing what Sheamus does best we got the match Lucha House Party taking on Miz and Morrison Miz and Morrison of course got the Miz and Morrison of course got the early advantage and we saw we saw a lot of cool moves from of course Lucha House Party those guys are very talented even though we there has never really been a reason for us to take them seriously but the Lucha House Party got the victory. They got the victory over Miz and Morrison. The match was decent. You know, High Flyers did not get enough opportunities to do, to do the moves that, you know, make their matches exciting. Morrison, you know, of course, obviously has always been very talented. Morrison stayed grounded for most of the time. Dorado and Matalik are two of the best luchadors in the company currently. When they want to be, when WWE lets them go out there and kill it. Upset. Lucha House, Lucha House Party got the victory ammunition to request a title match maybe we'll get the lucha house party taking on the new day at some point maybe at money in the bank if what i said earlier isn't gonna happen <laughs> don't really know but they got the win upset of course our next match of course was for the women's money in the bank ladder match qualifier lacey evans taking on sasha banks sasha banks and bailey obviously they came out first they were carrying what was a picture of Lacey Evans' daughter on like a stick and Sasha Banks was using it to like kind of fan herself off, you know, you know, cheap heel heat. Lacey Evans came out. Lacey Evans had Sasha's name still on her hand with the no sign. We would find out that her daughter Summer was the one that actually had wrote that. Pretty funny, you know, I guess. The match was really not much. I mean, Sasha Banks... You know, smart of her to to work on the hand so she wouldn't get the the woman's right. Bailey, of course, was out there provi providing distractions and all that stuff. You know, still obviously building up the storyline with Bailey and Sasha with their split coming and stuff like that. 
You know, the match was short. Lacey Evans, of course, got the victory because there was one point in the match where Bailey tried to get involved a little too much. The referee was talking to Bailey. Sasha Banks had Lacey Evans, you know, for the pinfall. She had her there for a second or two, and the referee didn't, for five seconds, the referee didn't turn around until it was already time for Lacey to kick out. Lacey, of course, would kick out. Sasha got real pissed off at Bailey. I wouldn't say real pissed off, but she got annoyed with Bailey, and she and you did you could hear her say to stay stay out of it. So then all of a sudden we see the woman's right. She knocks out Sasha Banks, gets the victory. Lacey Evans qualifies for the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. I was a little surprised. I thought for sure Sasha was going to qualify, just because I think you know another way you can build up. And I'm not saying this is the only way you can build up Bailey and Sasha. Because they're already teasing it. They're teasing the split. The split's pretty much, you know, all but confirmed. I think it's been all but confirmed ever since Bailey turned heel and Sasha Banks and her got back together. Well, they never really broke up other than when they were doing those bullshit moments a couple years ago where you thought they were going to, like, stop being friends or whatever. But she got the victory. You can say, well, you know, Bailey kind of screwed things up. And she really did when you think about it. But I did... See, Sasha was one of my picks for the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. The other one, of course, is Shayna Baszler. Just like with the men's, I have two picks. And I thought, hey, look, maybe Sasha will win it. And maybe Sasha, you know, you'll do the, you'll, yeah, you're going to do the the pretty much the obvious buildup where Sasha says, oh, I'm not going to cash in on Bailey and stuff like that. Maybe I'll pull a Charlotte Flair and go back to NXT. Even though we see Charlotte Flair on Monday and Wednesday for Raw and NXT. But that probably would have been too obvious. But it seems that, you know, they have a different route for it. So what I'm thinking is maybe since we're going to get Tamina, who we did see after the match, Tamina did hit Bailey with a super kick. And notice Sasha didn't, you know, well, granted, yeah, Sasha just got her jaw jacked from that right hand. So she's still selling it as they're walking up the, as they're walking up the uh, aisle way into backstage but notice she didn't really look too concerned for Bailey until the last couple minutes of the segment but I think another way they can build this up is they can have you know because if Sasha's not going to do money in the bank if she's not going to compete in money in the bank this year maybe just maybe and I has she been in money in the, yeah she has been in money in the bank but anyways I think another way they can they can do this build is they can have maybe Bailey beat Tamina because I don't think Tamina's going to get the belt. Obviously, she's not. I think Tamina's just stepping up because right now they don't really have a lot of people they can utilize, even though, I mean, before this all started, we we really weren't seeing too much women utilized. You know what I mean? The women's roster really hasn't got, you know, it really hasn't got more, you know, more talent and stuff like that. So what I can see happening, and this is going to be a quick, like this is going to be an early Money in the Bank prediction, I wouldn't be surprised if Bailey gets the win, which of course we think she's going to get the win. Of course she's going to get the win. Nothing against Tamina, but you know, of course she's going to get the win. You know, Tamina all of a sudden is getting this push because I think she's stepping up. I think she's like, you know what? Maybe maybe Vince and them are like, maybe Vince and Bruce Pritchard are like, you know what? We don't have a lot that we can do right now. A lot of the women don't want to be here that often, and obviously it's respectable. We'll give it to Tamina. We'll let Tamina take the role. We'll let her feud with Bailey, even though it's not really much of a feud. It's only been built up for like a week or two. And um, we can do them. 
at Money in the Bank. But the real story is Sasha and Bailey. So that's pretty much what we're going to get. So I think because if you remember, Sasha did not defeat Tamina. And the stipulation was if Tamina beat Sasha, then Tamina can get the championship match against Bailey. So maybe Bailey beats Tamina. Maybe this sets up for Bailey to shockingly attack Sasha, kind of like, you know, you made me defend my championship, you didn't beat Tamina. Maybe we'll get it on the following SmackDown episode. So basically what I'm saying is maybe this is how you get the turn. You have Bailey turn on you have Bailey turn on Sasha after she beats Tamina because and Bailey's motive is that well because you basically didn't beat Tamina. Tamina still made I still have to defend my championship because of you. And yeah, you can have Bailey be the whiny heel like she's been doing and stuff like that. I mean, that's just how I would book it to be quite honest. But Lacey Evans is qualifying. That means now for the women's Money in the Bank ladder match, we do have Let me go ahead and see. Let me go ahead and check my notes. We have, let me see, okay, check my notes right here, okay, let me see, alright, so we have, of course, Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, Asuka, Dana Brooke, and Lacey Evans, I believe there's going to be one more match, possibly, I mean, look, at the end of the day, you know, I'll say it right now. I'm picking either I'm picking Shayna Baszler to win the to win the briefcase. I mean, I don't think it's gonna be anyone else but Shayna Baszler. It makes sense because Shayna Baszler is your top star, I think, even though she hasn't been on the main roster long enough. I think see in NXT Tamina uh Tamina, oh my god. In NXT Shayna Baszler, she did really well and she was your star in NXT. She was your top woman in NXT. She was your top dog. No disrespect to anyone else. She was your top heel. So obviously the choice is to go with Shayna Baszler. Now, I kind of have a theory. I don't want to jinx anything. But I wouldn't be surprised if they give it to fucking Nia Jax. Because, I mean, yeah, there is history. And, you know, if it wasn't for Nia Jax, and I, and I know, I, look, I'm not a Nia Jax fan. I just, I don't care for her personality. You know, she comes off like the type of person that will give you a lot of shit, but she hates it when you give her shit back. You know what I mean? Especially after that whole killer cross, you know, little thing that she tried to create. I just, you know, didn't care for that shit. And even before then, you know, her attitude when it came to social media wasn't exactly the best, but, you know, it is what it is, you know, that's obviously her and stuff like that doesn't make it right, but that's how she is, you know, look, maybe she's a sweetheart, you know, most of the time, I don't know, but by the way she acts on social media, like a lot of people do, you know, they have like an act on social media, but a lot of the times that's their personality, but anyways, I wouldn't be surprised if a swerve Nia Jax wins it because there is history and I do give credit where it's due even though this was not even though I hadn't even though WWE had no idea how over Becky Lynch was going to get that night when Becky Lynch got socked in the face by Tamina and Tamina oh my god again I'm doing it again Nia Jax when Nia Jax socked 
Becky Lynch and she literally clocked her right on the nose and broke her nose. And of course, Becky was supposed to, she was supposed to face Shayna Baszler that, that week at, at Survivor Series. I don't think WWE realized just how over Becky Lynch was going to get. And that was because of Nia Jax's sock. So, and we never really got Nia Jax and Becky Lynch. So, I wouldn't be surprised if they go with this because they already did Shayna and Becky at WrestleMania and Becky Lynch surprisingly won, even though I think Shayna should have won because I think with Becky Lynch, anytime you put her in that role where she's chasing the championship, she can pull it off. She can pull it off. No matter how phony some of her promos are, no matter how over the top some of her promos can be, she can pull it off. She's your girl for that job. But... Obviously, right now, you know, she's the champion. She's been the champion for a long time. She's beaten just about everybody that they've put in front of her, whether we like it or we don't. Even though some of the opponents that she faced were not exactly booked the best way. But I wouldn't be surprised if they go with Nia Jax. Just because we never got Nia Jax and Becky Lynch. Do we need, do we need it? We don't. Because Nia Jax is not, she's just not, you know, fit for that role. But at the same time, if you remember your history, Nia Jax did cause Becky Lynch to miss Survivor Series. And that did kind of get her over as a heel. That got her to go away heat as well. I think her and Baron Corbin, you know, they both got that in common. And there's been a lot of other wrestlers that just got that, that have over the years, that have got that go away heat where it's like, it, it's not heel heat, it's get the fuck off my TV heat, you know what I mean? Which at the same time could be just as good as heel heat, because you know what, you're getting a reaction, you know, good or bad, you're getting a reaction. It's not like you come out to crickets, and believe me, I will get to that later. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if they go with Nia Jax. I would not be surprised. But... I'm picking Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler is my, she's my pick because, you know, it, it was either her or it was Sasha Banks, but obviously Sasha's not going to be in this match. I'm sure they have other plans for her and Bailey, and I'm sure it's going to result in Bailey turning on her. Maybe Sasha turns on Bailey at Money in the Bank. Maybe Sasha surprisingly, you know, say she hits a meteora, she hits the bank statement on maybe Bailey. But my plan were where Bailey attacks Sasha either after the match, shockingly, just beats the beats the hell out of her. Like she did all those years ago on Monday Night Raw. Or they do it on SmackDown the week after that. You know, that's how I would book it. But I wouldn't be surprised if Nia Jax gets the victory just because they haven't did Bailey and they haven't did Nia and Becky Lynch. I just I wouldn't be surprised if they do that at SummerSlam. You know, you could always have Shayna attack Becky after the match. And because by no way do I think we need to see Nia as champion again. Hell no. I think ultimately once we get Shayna and Becky too, I'd rather much see that at SummerSlam. But, you know, who knows with WWE, man? Because sometimes, you know, just when you think they're going to do something that makes sense, you know, they kind of do something that we're not exactly too fond of. But, but I don't know. That's just how I would book it personally. You know, Shayna winning, you know, Shayna and Becky too at SummerSlam. But if I'm thinking the way WWE thinks, I wouldn't be surprised if they do Nia and they do Becky Lynch. So then we had, we had the SmackDown women's, actually before I get to that, we had the history between 
Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman. Of course, um, the Fiend and Bray. The actually, I think it's gonna. I think it's just gonna be Bray. It's not gonna be the Fiend, which is kind of strange to me. Even though at TLC when Bray Wyatt was just Bray Wyatt, you know, he was taking beating a beating from the Miz. I did like how he was was selling it. I guess that's Bray Wyatt's gimmick when he's not in the Fiend or when he doesn't unleash the Fiend. Obviously, the history between Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt's there. A lot of people aren't happy about this going on, but to be quite honest with you, I mean, I honestly do believe that at this match, I do believe that Bray Wyatt's going to get the championship back. And I do have a prediction for this. I believe Bray's going to get the championship back. I think, you know, right now Strowman is just a placeholder because they need a babyface's champ. And Roman Reigns is not is not there right now. Roman was supposed to be there at WrestleMania, but obviously Roman didn't feel comfortable performing. It's understandable because of, you know, obviously his very well-known health issues. So I think Strowman is in the spot, you know, so I think they just need a babyface champ. That's what they need. They need a babyface champ and Strowman's the guy for it for them, I guess. Could have been Jeff Hardy. We could have we could have had Jeff Hardy and the and Bray Wyatt at Money in the Bank, but obviously they didn't go with Jeff. You know they went with Braun Strowman, which I don't know why they didn't go with Jeff. I I guess you know obviously they have Jeff back, but they they really got to be careful with him. He because they really got to watch him because unfortunately Jeff Hardy has had a lot of you know repeats of his personal issues and stuff like that. So I I think that's the reason why he you know didn't get the opportunity. But I know he got. The idea was for him to get the opportunity, and hey, look, I wouldn't mind seeing a uh, you know seeing a, a Jeff Hardy and the Fiend storyline. Could you imagine how Bray Wyatt and Bray Wyatt's all about fucking with your head anyway? Could you imagine how Bray Wyatt would have screwed up with Jeff Hardy? I mean, you know, there is that history because if you remember the Ultimate Deletion match, of course, the history with Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy before they became the Deleter of Worlds. And also just, you know, I could easily see, I mean, look, we could still get that down the line. If, if Roman doesn't come back anytime soon, because I did say originally, I can see The Fiend getting the championship back and you do The Fiend and Roman at SummerSlam, big SummerSlam match in WWE's mind. Maybe they could put Jeff Hardy in that spot. Shit, maybe Jeff Hardy qualifies for Money in the Bank and Jeff Hardy wins it. Never know. Even though, like I said, Aleister Black and Daniel Bryan are my two choices, you know, but we don't even know if Jeff Hardy's going to qualify for the match yet. All I know is there is one more spot. So, But we have the recap of The Fiend and Braun Strowman. Obviously, back in 2015, you know, The Fiend, well, Bray Wyatt brought Braun Strowman, you know, and storyline, he brought him to the Wyatt family. Debuted night after SummerSlam 2015. It was a tag team match. I remember it was the feet. It was Bray Wyatt, Luke Harper, of course, Brody Lee taking on Dean Ambrose at the time, John Moxley and Roman Reigns rematch from the night before. That was when at the end of the match, I don't even think we got a winner. I think it went to a no contest. That's right. Cause when, cause when Roman was going to go for the Superman punch or the spear, the lights went out, you know, the, the original fiend, you know, light went out and then we seen Braun Strowman. So obviously that history is there. And since then, Strowman was obviously with the Wyatt family up until 2016 when they all got drafted in that draft lottery split. Of course, Strowman went to Raw, changed up his look, changed up his hair, got a solid push for a bunch of months as a top heel. Well, not a top heel, but like a monster heel. But, you know, it was, uh, it was obviously, you know, told into the, that, 
you know, obviously, yeah. In storyline, Bray Wyatt did bring Braun Strowman. And we did hear a couple weeks back that Bray Wyatt was like, I brought you in this world. I'm going to take you out the world. And then Braun Strowman just stood there and was like, I'll gladly welcome you in. Right off the bat, I liked I liked the I liked the video package. I like how it was I like how it was edited. WWE always edits, always edit edit edit. Yeah, sorry guys, I'm having a botch. He they always edit the videos good. <laughs> I couldn't say the word, but obviously this match is taking place at Money in the Bank. Early prediction: I do believe, you know, the Fiend. I think we're gonna get Strowman and Wyatt. You know, Strowman's gonna beat the hell out of Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt's gonna sell it like a million bucks, and then all of a sudden, maybe we get a switch up and the Fiend comes out. You know, because you know WWE, you know they could have a way of doing that. You know, you never, you never know. And then Wyatt gets the title back, and you know how it is when you face the Fiend, you always change. I mean, we've seen it with Seth Rollins, we've seen it with Finn Balor, we've seen it with the Miz. Maybe this gets Strowman back to being the heel Strowman that we need to see. Maybe this get maybe this gets Strowman back to being. Maybe this gets back Strowman to being the monster, you know what I mean? The real monster that we've seen in 2016, 2015. Maybe he starts rocking the black sheep again. Maybe he joins the Funhouse. You never know. I mean, I know with with the other people that Bray Wyatt has beaten, and they've changed. They never really joined Bray Wyatt. They just changed and they went back to heels. Or some of them turned heel, like Finn Balor turned heel. Rollins went back to the heel form. Same with Miz. Daniel Bryan went back to the Yes movement. Or he went back to the short hair. Went back to the American look. But, yeah, I do think The Fiend's going to get the championship back. I like the video, the way that it was edited. I WWE always does it really well. And this was, you know, this was nice for what it was, you know. Next, we had, of course, the SmackDown Women's Tag Team Championships. We had Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss defending against Carmella and Dana Brooke. You know, Dana Brooke and Carmella, you know, a team that was randomly thrown together from the start. Yeah, they did wrestle a couple times against uh, Fire and Desire. But, and they were, I think, teaming around the whole Survivor Series angle with the NXT women and the Raw women. This match was short. Nothing really much to say about it. You know, Bliss and Cross retained. They hit what looked like a 3D, but it was more like a it was more like a 3D DDT. Cause that's the way that it was. She they hit it on Carmella. Carmella got picked up, and then Bailey, uh, Bailey, Alexa Bliss hit a DDT. So that was basically the way that they got the victory. Kind of thought after the match we were gonna get like a, maybe a heel turn from like maybe. Carmella turns on Dana Brooke. I thought Dana Brooke got pinned at first. Or maybe Dana turns on Carmella. Don't really know. But they just kind of went to the, to the main event segment, which was the 25th anniversary of Triple H. Now, before that, we have some stuff lined up for next week. We have the final women's qualifier for Money in the Bank. We have Mandy Rose taking on Carmella. And then we have for the final for the men's, we have Otis taking on Dolph. Now, these are kind of predictable to me i can see sonia deville automatically screwing mandy rose out, out of this opportunity 
I can see Carmella maybe turning heel because I think now Mandy Rose is babyface. Carmella turns heel and maybe cheats to win because of Sonya Deville's help. Or maybe Mandy Rose wins it and Sonya screws her at Money in the Bank. That would be a nice touch. You know, you can just kind of, you know, give it time. But either way, I can't see either woman missing out. So I think either one of them is going to win, obviously. And then as for Otis and Dolph, WrestleMania rematch, I got to go with Otis, man. You got to have Otis win it. We've seen Dolph in the match so many times. I think if you put Otis in it, Otis is so charismatic. Otis is great at what he does. Could you imagine how he would be, and in, in, especially with this year's Money in the Bank ladder match being the corporate ladder? Can you picture the shit that Otis is going to do? I mean, <laughs> hey, man, if I was booking this shit, Otis would be in it like he would be in that shit so quick. So that's coming next week. And then we had the Triple H celebration. We had, of course, Triple H coming out. Triple H, of course, you know, he came out. You know, he had, you know, his nice little little sneak. What was that? He had some nice shoes on. Didn't have business shoes. He had, like, some nice kicks on. Shawn Michaels came out. Of course, Shawn Michaels and Triple H, best friends, best enemies. Um, Triple H, of course, was, was very excited. Shawn Michaels was, of course, roasting Triple H a couple times, saying, you know, he sent out a lot of invitations and nobody came. Of course, with the empty arena joke, there was a joke about social distancing. Instead of, I got two words for you, and it wasn't suck it, it was social distance. We've seen a video package of DX, like a blooper reel of DX. There was the iconic iconic segment of when DX was at the president's area. You know, you had DX and you had China right there. Shawn Michaels, Triple H in China. And then we had, of course, Shawn Michaels roasting Triple H again, playing all of Triple H's losses from WrestleMania. Triple H lost about like 14 times or 13 times out of WrestleMania. Shawn Michaels was then like, what about my 25th anniversary celebration? So I was kind of like, oh man, Shawn Michaels is kind of, he's getting a little buggered here. Are we going to get Shawn Michaels turning on Triple H? I thought to myself, something's going to happen. Because you know what? We all know that in typical WWE fashion, a lot of segments like this, like these, they never end well. (laughs) It always ends with somebody interrupting or somebody getting attacked or something being built up. But... I kind of thought we were going to get get that. I thought maybe somebody was going to come out and attack Triple H, or maybe Shawn Michaels was going to attack Triple H, or maybe Triple H was going to attack Shawn Michaels. I didn't really know what was going to happen, but we had a funny part where uh, Shawn Michaels was saying, and then you met her, Stephanie No Fun McMahon. And then Stephanie McMahon, right on cue, she literally FaceTimed Triple H, and she was all excited. She was saying she was watching the 25th anniversary. Of course she is. She was probably in the back. You never know. Or she was probably at home. She then saw what Shawn Michaels was doing. She was saying, I see what he's doing. I see him. And, you know, she was about to call him a name. Triple H immediately hung up on her. Then Shawn Michaels mentioned Ric Flair. Ric Flair, again, right on cue, called Triple H. You know, he was basically saying he was proud of Triple H and all that stuff. And, you know, he was about to break down and stuff like that, as only Ric Flair can. Triple H hung up on him. Then Triple H, well, then we had a commercial break. Kind of weird. We had a commercial break. We So there was one final caller. Well, there was another caller. We didn't see who it was. And I was thinking to myself, that's kind of weird. See, that they were giving the segment a lot, a lot of time. So I was kind of like, something could happen here. Like, maybe this will lead into, maybe this will build up towards SummerSlam. Maybe Triple H will wrestle at SummerSlam. Don't know. You know, they, they do need those ratings. 
so we didn't see who that caller was. I was kind of thinking to myself, it was probably nobody major, but what if it was Billy Gunn? I mean, hey, look, Billy Gunn was in DX. Billy Gunn has a friendship with those guys. Of course, Billy Gunn in AEW. Billy Gunn, of course, you know, they're not going to show him on television. Maybe Billy Gunn called Triple H while the cameras were off. No idea. When we came back, we seen, of course, the road dog, Jesse James, Brian James, whatever you want to call him. Of course, you know, he looked like Triple H with that beard and the bald head. He had a joke where he was saying, man, I'm on TV. I should have touched up the beard. I should have put, you know, you know, just for men on the beard and stuff like that. And the fact that he called Triple H made me think, oh, maybe Billy Gunn did call Triple H. Of course, Triple H hung up on him right away. Shawn Michaels continued to roast Triple H. All of a sudden, we get no chance in hell. That's right. Out comes Vinnie Mac, Mr. McMahon. And let me just say, guys, Vince McMahon, I understand he's old now. He's in his 70s. And, I, you know, the, the last, well, the very limited times he's been on television, I've seen, you know, he just does not look well. Granted, you are old. He is older. Age catches up with all of us. It's going to catch up with, with all of us, you know. To be honest with you guys, I really didn't understand what Vince was saying. Vince didn't look well. Look, say what you want about Vince McMahon. I know a lot of us, you know, we're not satisfied with what we get. And as a fan, you know, yeah, look, you know, if we don't like something, we don't like something. But, you know, there is still a respect I have for Vince McMahon, for everything that he's done for the for his business, you know, for all that he's invested for us, for himself, whatever. I do have that respect for Vince McMahon. Do I like everything Vince McMahon does now? No, I don't. And that's my right. I don't have to like it. But, you know, I still got respect for Vince. But I could not understand what Vince was saying. You know, he, he mentioned the gobbly gooker or glooker, whatever it was. He was talking about how, uh, and then he was like kind of getting savage. He was saying, man, this segment sucks. And Triple H, of course, was laughing it off. I think there was even a point where Triple H was kind of like, you know what? I can't hear, I can't understand what Vince is saying either, but I'm just going to laugh. I'm just going to make it look like, like it's funny. Vince, of course, you know, he got personal for a second. He was saying, I love you. And I love, you know, Shawn Michaels, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, if you guys remember lots of fun segments with DX and the McMahons over the years, Triple H and Vince McMahon, Shawn Michaels and Vince McMahon, great segments from their rivalry in 2005, 2006. Of course, the rivalry with DX in 2006, 2007, it continued after Michaels and Mr. McMahon at WrestleMania 22. And there was one part where Vince McMahon was saying, he was saying that, uh, that crickets, that there's crickets every time these guys talk. He mentioned segments that were not good over the years. He mentioned the Bailey, this is your life segment, which he was like, oh, it's not Bailey's fault. No, Vince, it's your fault because you're the one that booked it on the show. You know, you told the writers to do it, or the writers came up with it, and you approved it. But I could not understand what Vince was saying. I was kind of thinking, okay, Vince is coming out here, so something big something big might, might happen. So, will somebody attack Triple H? Will they attack Shawn Michaels? Will they attack Vince McMahon? There was a part of me where I was like, could you imagine a killer cross comes out, and we just see him choking out Vince, or he's choking out Shawn Michaels or something, or he attacks Vince or attacks Shawn Michaels or Triple H? But obviously, of course, Killer Cross, Carrion Cross is obviously busy with Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano, I assume. 
this segment kind of ended weird. So Vince came out. Vince, like I said, was very, you know, he, he was trying, but a lot of the stuff he was saying didn't make sense for a second. Vince started to leave, but he started to do the Vince McMahon strut. Kind of looked a little off doing it. Because remember, look, Vince is older. Yeah, Vince looks great when he, you know, obviously he works out like a mother. But, I mean, you know, his age is obviously showing. And it's been showing the last couple times he's came out on TV. The very few times that he does come out on TV. Because we don't see him that much. Unless it's like for something, for like a big build up towards a segment or something. Who will ever forget that time the McMahon's and Triple H came out and said that we were the authority now? <laughs> yeah, me neither. Still waiting on that change, Vince. So, then we had the segment end, where literally the lights started to go off, and Triple H and Michaels were standing in the ring, and then there was actually a sound effect for crickets, and Triple H was like, do you hear crickets? And Shawn Michaels was like, story of your career, buddy. And that was it. So it kind of like, ended a little weird. I mean, the segment ended a little weird, but it was entertaining. I think, obviously, for SmackDown, this was the most entertaining part of the night. And I'll just say it, guys. See, to me, Triple H is one of the best. I've been watching Triple H for as many years as I've been watching wrestling. Obviously, Triple H has done it all in his career. Yeah, you know, he married into the family, you know, and stuff like that. And a lot of people probably look... Well, a lot of people do look down on him for that. I look at it this way. It is what it is. You know, that's not my life. I'm still a wrestling fan. I respect Triple H for... I respect Triple H for his career. He's one of the best heels. He's also... One of the best baby faces. He has had great matches, of course, with Stone Cold Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, The Rock, Undertaker, you know, freaking Randy Orton, Batista, and he even said in, in the in that segment, if it wasn't for those guys, his career wouldn't be where it's at. And he's right. It's true because you always need somebody to make you as well. And when you're in wrestling, you need your opponent to make you as well, or you can make the opponent. You know, yeah, you make your career, but the opponent can make you as well. So, um, yeah, obviously Triple H is great for what he's done for NXT. Triple H, of course, the father of NXT, him and Dusty Rhodes, that's their baby. Dusty Rhodes' baby, but Triple H, obviously, that's his baby as well. I, I respect Triple H for what he's done for NXT. You know, Triple H has made NXT, along with all, all the talents, they have made NXT more than a developmental brand. They've made NXT a brand and a family. So there's always that respect for that. And also, the respect for the legendary career Triple H has had. Obviously, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Triple H, you know, the King of Kings, man. You know, Triple H, the game. And will we see Triple H wrestle again? I do believe so. I don't think this is it. I mean, again, I don't know Triple H personally. I don't know what his body is feeling. But, you know, professionally, as a fan, from a fan's perspective, I don't think this is going to be it. I think we will get a build-up for SummerSlam. We didn't get it tonight. I kind of thought maybe Vince is going to have somebody come out and attack Triple H or something. But we just got kind of a bizarre ending. But with that being said, so that was SmackDown, guys. Overall, I mean, best part of the night for me was obviously the Triple H segment. And also the Forgotten Sons and the video package, the way that it was edited for, you know, The Fiend and Braun Strowman. You know... For me, those were the highlights of SmackDown. Everything else was just kind of filler and stuff like that. You know, we have, of course, more more qualifying matches next week. Mandy Rose taking on Carmella, Otis and Dolph, and stuff like that. Before I get out of here, guys, I want to talk about something that I discuss. Well, something that I woke up to. 
news, because <laughs> you know how I always throw news in after I do a review for a wrestling show, whether it be for Dynamite, Monday Night Raw, NXT, SmackDown. So there's allegations going around about the Velveteen Dream. And for those of you that don't know, the Velveteen Dream, and I woke up to this because I looked on Instagram and I saw that the Velveteen Dream has been accused of sending nude pictures to an underage girl. And I honestly don't know what to say about that. As a fan, it's it's hard to, as a person, it's hard to to read about that. And apparently there was text messages from the Velveteen Dream and a young girl. There was, we, you know, you see the picture. There was audio of the Velveteen Dream asking the girl what school she went to. And it obviously, it did sound like the Velveteen Dream. Because Velveteen Dream has that deep voice and that's what it sounded like. I mean, you never know nowadays with technology. You never know what the hell can happen, but... I just, I have no idea if this is, man, I don't even know what to say about this, guys. The Velveteen Dream, you know, we all know the guy is incredible for such a young career. The guy has a great career, and something like this, even if he's completely innocent, something like this never really goes away. I mean, look at what happened to Enzo. Enzo Amore, he got fired for allegedly raping that girl. And sure, yeah, he was innocent, but he lost his job. And his career, his life, his personal life went through a lot of shit, you know? Even if you're not a fan of Enzo Amore, you still, I mean, how could you not, you know, at least feel like, damn, that's fucked up, you know? But the point is, something like this, it doesn't leave you. Even if you are innocent, it just, it doesn't leave you. It does after a while, but mentally, like, you know, how do you cope, how do you cope with that? You know, Hopefully this doesn't affect his career, but we know it is because something like this is serious, you know? Now, the Velveteen Dream, Patrick Clark, he did release a statement about the allegations, and I will read that, you know, momentarily I will read what he said, and he said this on Twitter. Let me go ahead and uh, pull it up. Okay... He basically denied the accusations. And let me go ahead and pull it up on Twitter. Okay. Mobile Twitter. Let me see. Per Bleacher Report. Let me go ahead and take a look. Okay. So this was from the Velveteen Dream on Twitter, and he says, and I quote, be assured I did not communicate inappropriately with anyone. A private photo of mine was shared without my consent or knowledge, and I am working with a third party to look into this matter. And that's what the Velveteen Dream had to say about these allegations. So, NXT superstar Velveteen Dream released a statement Friday regarding an allegation that had an appropriate altercation with an underage fan. Don't know how old the girl was, but still, the point is she was underage. And the Velveteen Dream is 24 years old. He's older than me by one year. 
I'm going to be 24 next month, and reading this shit is, this is pretty horrifying. But we've all read, we've all read shit like this, you know, shit, shit like this, man, is just, it's, it's so hard to read. It's so, it's hard for the people involved, too. It's way harder for the people involved. So, that was his statement. Um, again, I don't know, look, whatever you guys do is you guys, but. I don't understand why people take photos like that, just to be honest. I mean, I understand privacy is privacy. Your photos are your photos, whatever. As long as you're not doing anything inappropriate, I get I get it. It's your phone. But I just can't understand why people would people take photos like this. Because it gets you into trouble almost every time. And the fact that this guy is, you know, a huge star... You know, shit like this isn't going to go away, you know, shit like this is going to haunt him, you know, and it just, it's crazy, you know, now I don't know how this shit was taken from him, he says it was taken without his consent, I don't know why anybody would do that, and whoever did that, you know, look, if that person, look, if, if what the Velveteen Dream is saying is true, then the person that did that shit should be fucking ashamed of themselves, if the Velveteen Dream did this, he should seriously be fucking ashamed of himself. But either way, this is a crazy situation. I have no idea. It's too early to tell what's going to happen because, you know, you never know. I'm sure we'll be getting more in the Bleacher Reports. I'm sure there'll be more on this topic. It's a fucked up situation and it's really unfortunate that it's happening to this guy and to that girl. But... If this is not true, if this is legitimately somebody, you know, stealing someone else's, you know, photos or whatever, and they're using it as life, that person needs to be fucking ashamed of themselves, straight up. Well, with that being said, guys, um, I'm going to get out of here. That was your SmackDown Live review. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. If you did, I really appreciate it. You guys can follow me on social media. Of course, you can follow me on Instagram at Drew underscore Villain 96. That is Drew underscore Villain 96. On my profile picture, you'll, you'll see me holding up two championships like a mark because I am a mark. <laughs> and I am going to be uploading a YouTube channel. I well, uploading videos to a YouTube channel. I have a YouTube channel. I never got to use it. But my homie Baby Cobb, who was on the show, we're going to get him back on the show most likely tomorrow. You know, he uploaded his YouTube channel. Give him a shout out, of course, and I'm going to be uploading mine soon, so it's going to be a fun process. Originally, I wanted to just focus on one content because obviously I'm still very, I'm green, I'm greener than grass when it comes to podcasting, but I always wanted to do YouTube as well. So eventually things will be coming into deck with that. Things will be coming along with it. But until then, guys, I am going to be getting out of here, guys. I will see you guys tomorrow. I am going to get my homie baby cob back on the show we are going to be doing a part two interview same goes for george i believe me and george are going to do an interview um this coming wednesday we're going to talk about our mount rushmore's of wrestling with that being said guys thank you guys for tuning in you guys are incredible stay safe keep each other safe keep each other motivated you guys are incredible peace guys everyone out there have a good night y'all